1: If you have a green thumb or have always wanted one, then get ready for Garden Talk by Walter Anderson Nursery, hosted by Ken Anderson, along with David Ross, Mark Mahati, and George Allman Good morning, San
2: Diego. You're listening to Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. Dad always
3: loved his his mums because they would come back year after year. And mom always got mums and dad always planted them and was always happy to show me that his, his mums were blooming
2: and reblooming. They're one of my favorite fall plants. And they're they're I don't grow them myself, but they're just spectacular. And the the variety of colors that that's available for the for the bedding mums and they like you said they're they're pretty easy they're to grow.
3: Easy. The the problem with the bedding mums the ones we sell is they're they're small. You get your bloom and then they're done. But what people don't realize is if you take them and then transplant them, then you get twice as many blooms the following season and you'll get mm-hmm. two or three bloom cycles a
2: year out of them if you if you want. Mhm. Well, and, and when they're when they bloom, I mean they're pretty much solid color i mean they they put out a tremendous amount of flowers
4: when i was living in tennessee that was a big autumn everybody would go to the nurseries and buy tons of them and the churches would put them out everybody had them out everywhere
2: yeah it's a it's a nice it's a it's a nice fall, fall color plant that that is for sure uh let's see we're going to go down to chula vista where ann is waiting good morning ann how are you hi good morning hope you all are well and thank you for this show you as well um, thank, thank you my- you're welcome. My question is this. Other than calling the pest control company, um, there are some outside rats that are um, eating my cacti. Is there something I can safely spray on my cacti that would kind of deter them?
3: I don't know if... Some of the repellents list rodents, and including rats, and I can't tell you off the top of my head which one, but you could try that. I would... Do the George method. Would you like to explain the George method, George? But,
4: but one of the traps? Not one. The water bucket trap? Or oh, the,
3: no, no, no. Your, your circle of
4: oh, of, well, tra- of landmines. Those are specifically for the little voles that come out of a hole. I put them at a hole. But <clears throat> just I, I would use a trap. Traps work very well. And whatever they're eating is what I usually bait the trap with. I leave it out there all the time and... So it's not a new item that they don't stumble upon it one day and are frightened by it and just sits there and then one day I set it and usually we catch some.
2: Yeah, I've caught in three so far with different traps and all that. I was just trying to see if there is anything else there, that I could do. The spray on mint. Um, what about mint the, spray or you know?
3: There are mint oil um, repellents, repellents, or- but they. I guess if it's on the plant they may not eat it. The ones that came in the little hang bags like tea bags didn't seem to work mm-hmm. as a deterrent to the area. But I guess you could spray it with one of the the mint oil repellents.
4: I'm just hesitant. I don't think <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think a lot of those work very well, the repellents.
3: I, I don't either. I'm just trying to give her hope, George. <laughs>
2: You want to hear something crazy? <laughs> yes. I was even I was getting desperate too, you know, because I do have the traps and all that. I was thinking, what about pepper spray on the plants? Would that kill it, or uh, would that deter? It might deter. It might deter. Him. That would definitely be something that would deter the the chewing action. Um, I don't know if we have pepper spray anymore. It's, I think we. I think we, we still. We do. might. But we, it. You can also make your own. Uh, you can use a hob hobbit. Habanero peppers and uh, steep them in water with a little bit of um, just dish be, soap. Just be really, just really be careful very, just it. be very, very careful. <laughs> um, but yeah, the pe- the pepper spray might deter them as well. And would would when you're using when you're using deterrence like that, it's mm-hmm. the negative reinforcement that that really takes control. So you can't just do it once. You have to kind of keep up with it and and teach them that that is not something that they want to be fooling around with oh awesome thank you thank you both so much oh you're most welcome you have a great weekend you too okay Thanks. take care i saw i saw an interesting article yesterday when i was um, making some notes for the making some notes for the show and it was, what's the difference between a weed and an invasive plant Perception. Well, so weeds are usually thought of as native plants we don't want in areas such as landscapes, fields, and vegetable gardens, either because they reduce economic output or they're considered aesthetically displeasing. Invasive plants are generally non-natives that infest natural ecosystems and can become problems. There are four distinctions between a weed and an invasive plant. First, first is how they are introduced to an area. Weedy plants in gardens, landscapes, or other agricultural fields are usually accidentally introduced. While that is sometimes true for invasive plants, they are more often intentionally introduced as ornamental plants for aquarium use or for food or fiber purposes. Next, weeds require human disturbance such as tilling to establish and flourish in in an area. Invasive plants do not require any human assistance to grow and spread. Invasive plants tend to be more persistent in an area once established and don't require irrigation or fertilization, so are capable of growing and flourishing in areas without human assistance. Uh, finally, most weedy plants grow on land as annuals or herbaceous perennials, but invasive plants can be aquatic, parasitic, vining, woody or herbaceous. Their life cycles range from annual to perennial. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I usually do I, I, too, yeah. but
3: I, I take exception with the weed. The with the original definition, the weeds are uh, native.
2: Usually, it's a,
3: well. When I think of weeds, I'm thinking about grasses and dandelions and oxalis, and I don't. Are any of those
2: uh, dandelions are native?
3: Are they native to here? Yeah,
2: there's a couple of different there's a couple of different forms. One of them is uh, I can't remember which one it is. Um, what the name of it is, but it's actually fairly rare. So, but yeah, well, I usually tell people, you know, they come in and they would say, "Well, what? It, I want to know if this is a weed. Is it, growing, is it growing where you want it to grow? No, then it's a weed. Then it's exactly. a weed. You know, a little, that it, was always my definition. Yeah, if if it's growing someplace you don't want it to grow, yeah. then I would say it's a weed. You know, right. If you like it and you and you want it to stay, then it's not a weed. Right. So, I anyway,
3: won't, I won't take exception with the invasive species things, but it kind of depends on what list it's on whether it's an invasive species or well that
2: and and then there's there are different people with different lists too correct and uh the what is it with NGO non-government organization yes uh, there's a lot of those out there that really they put out their opinion piece um but it's not necessarily what that not necessarily very, what is going very on. Very
3: well tap danced around,
2: Mister Anderson. Thank you. Got an update on HLB. They found two infected trees in Santa Paula, so now there is a clamp down on citrus in Ventura County and well. the area Jeez. around um, Santa Paula. It has not been found anywhere in any commercial um, growing operations, Still. as far as I know. It's just in. It's just been in residential areas. Well, and I guess that's a. Yes, that's a good but it thing. It is good, but it's it is not, a good thing, yeah. but it's also
3: an opportunity for us to yeah, tell people pound the yeah. drum and remind people with backyard citrus that we have to take control our them. psyllids, the keep, Asian
2: citrus psyllid. Keep an eye on keep an eye on your plants if um, and uh, don't don't move stuff around. I mean, just spray. Just yes. sp- spray it, get it under control. Don't move it around. Don't don't take don't take it. To don't aunts, take fruit to people's to houses. in Selma and, and yeah. Ventura. Yeah, um, just leave it where it is. Uh, let's see what else is going on.
3: And if you're not sure, a lot of people don't treat because they're not sure. Is this the psyllid? Is it not the psyllid? Treated if you're you using anything. the no. horticultural oil, it really doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Just Good spray point. the spray the trees twice a year with horticultural oil. At least do that much,
2: and that'll help. Correct that will you know talking about spraying i was talking to george about it yesterday um carbaryl had has gone off the market and i knew that it was go i knew that it was going off the market but i didn't realize what had actually happened to it and back in august on august 1st 2020 it went on the restricted pesticide list in california you cannot sell carbaryl which used to be called 7, seven right? um you cannot sell carbaryl Unless you're a licensed pe- pesticide dealer, and you cannot apply it. Unless you're a licensed pesticide applicator. I was telling Jordan. I said, I remember when we used to dust our cats with it. Yep. You and know, chickens so and chickens true. and dogs. Um, Everything. And now it's apparent. And when that on the and on the August first deadline, that was it. There was no sell through. It was right, it gone. was done. You had to take it. If you had it, you had to take it off the shelves and properly dispose of it.
3: Now I uh-huh. I think it would be important to mention now seven is still out on the
2: market, but it is no it longer Carborough. It is no longer Carboral. Seven is the trademark name, so they can sell whatever they want under that name. So it gets very confusing. We somewhere. have some confusing. seven on the shelf. We mm-hmm. just got in some granular seven for uh for crawling insects, but it is not, not carburel anymore. No. Well, it's, it, and we, as we've mentioned before, it's the same thing with um, Bonite 8. Right. There's like five different Bonite 8s, and not all of them are the same. It's, it's a different product. In you know there. why they called it 8? Because it's better, than, it's better seven.
3: than 7. Yes. Yeah. That's what they're – yeah. <laughs> now it's the same since 7 is no longer 7. Yeah, it, it is the same. Or
2: similar in many instances. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what I was – when I was looking around yesterday, one of the things that kind of struck me that you don't – I haven't seen a problem with it in a long time and maybe it just burned itself out is oleander scorch. When was the last time somebody brought in an oleander with oleander scorch on it that you can remember? Granted, there's not that many oleanders left because the oleander scorch um, wiped it out. I don't know if the
3: current – if the bug is not spreading, it is not showing. It was a sharpshooter that was yes.
2: that was spreading it, and then there was the the, the oleander gall that would affect right. the, the flowers and the seed pods, and that, that between be, between the two of those, it almost it almost wiped out oleander production in at least in Southern California. Right. Sure. Took it took it,
3: it out of the middle of the
2: freeways. It yes, took it, it out did. of the middle of the freeways. <clears throat> you know, when we first opened Poway, it was all over in the business park. There's not a lot of oleander, if any left in the business park now. And I think it was probably because of the scorch. It's still a durable shrub when it's not dying. When it's not dying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, we, got, we got to the point where we hardly carried them at all. Now we're starting to They're have trickling a few back few coming back in a little bit. Um, but that happened right about the same time Monrovia got really into growing oleanders at one point. do you remember that? And they had the, the dwarf ones they had right. all they had all kinds of them um, and that was right about the time that the market fell apart the market <laughs> fell apart yeah, kind of unfortunate would be something I would do exactly yeah you know, one, I think one of the nicest one of the best looking oleanders that was out there was the double red oleander but it had the had the unfortunate habit of not dropping its flowers once they faded so you had a lot of dead flowers hanging all over the plant kind of like the
3: apricotty kind of a salmon edge but it was an apricotty colored one
2: i vaguely remember that it was usually just it was white pink and red were the right. were the three colors that we we sold the most of when i moved into
3: the house where i am now there was oleander along the fence is a screen between my property and the neighbors and I took out every other one and put in citrus and then as the citrus started growing I took out the rest of the oleanders and got rid of them and now it's a screen of citrus, citrus? yeah Very I nice. think it's a better better option I like to harvest well you can eat you can eat the citrus yeah, yeah. if I took care of the trees
2: in the backyard and watered
3: them I would have fruit to eat off of them but
2: <laughs> yeah I had sort to, of- I had to uh, pull my orange tree back from the brink of death last night after dinner it was it was it was not happy it was because the weather got warm it got it got warm and it was in a pot and it didn't get as much water as it wanted so i took care as it it wanted or as it needed well both okay (laughs) but it
3: was very good of you to yeah to give it some it'll
2: be fine it's it's (laughs) it's fine Um, you're listening to garden talk here on kcbq and kprz we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more right after this
1: get your gardening questions answered by calling 888-344-1170 that's 888-344-1170 there is more garden talk on the way welcome back to garden talk by walter anderson nursery now here's your hosts ken anderson david ross mark mahady and george allman and we're back with more garden talk
2: here on KCBQ and KPRZ, the end of the article, and this was something that I had never heard before. They said that if you are going to, if you are going to go out and, are you going to freak everybody out now? Yeah, because Why? It, I it it kind of shocked me. I was surprised. I'd never heard of it. Um, but if you are going to handle snails or plants that have snail slime trails on them, um, they they recommend wearing latex or rubber gloves because the Snails can carry rat lungworm disease, which is a nematode that infects the brain and spinal cord. Of the infected. Of the infected person. I had never heard of that either. I had never heard of it either. But then George reminded me that it was a couple of years ago down in Australia. Some kid, uh college kid, ate a slug on a dare. Okay, well, right. yeah. a lot of good college did him. Um Ate a slug on a dare, and he died from it. But he got a, a rat lungworm infection and died. But I remember is I remember as a little kid. Well, I never wore gloves handling snails. No. We just went and picked them up and Squish- squished them, or exactly. did, or, 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 or whatever. Snake. Yeah, we, we we never never wore gloves. So I cannot believe you just brought that up. Well, they did say that they there was no known incident of of it in California, but they said yeah, the potential is there. Uh, so. However, comma, how many
3: people in this room have handled snails for how many days out of their lives without gloves? Yeah. And no, we're not eating. We're issues. not licking them or eating them either. Exactly. So, the, so yeah. I will stop licking the slime off of my hands to keep them from being sticky, and I'll wash, <clears throat> them, from and I'll wash <clears throat> them from now on, and it'll probably be okay. Just wash your hands. Sure Don't will freak out. But no, I'm not telling people just, to freak just out.
2: out. Just I, it out. No, they're going to do it all by themselves. I thought it was... I, it, it was something that I had not heard of before. Correct. So I, was, uh, I was somewhat I'm glad somewhat you told surprised. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep you from going around and eating them. And then, of course, I said, well, you know, I I can't remember the last time I saw a snail in my backyard. And so George piped up with, well, oh well, yeah, that, that's because you have more rats than you realize. That's it. right. <laughs> so. That's why I don't have very many snails right now. Uh,
3: let's see. Have you done any harvesting in your yard or garden this week? Either of Pe- you? Um, no
4: peppers. We have peppers. Uh, a persim a single persimmon off of a new coffee cake persimmon tree. Uh, yeah. Pomegranate and apple. Still eating lots of different apples. I think I have more apples than any other fruit tree in the yard, as, as far as vari- a particular variety. Yeah, I love I'm just staring
3: I love at apples, you because most of my apples are early and they're gone. Well, Anna I, I, and Dorset.
4: So, yeah, I do have a lot of earlies, but I have the King David and the Lady Williams, and those are much later.
3: And So and, which which apple? You don't have to call me King, by the way, but what apple were <laughs> oh, you talking don't about? Don't
4: worry, I won't. Um, I, I like the Lady Williams a lot. Okay. It was the first year I've had production on it. And the King David I like, but I think I like the Lady Williams more.
3: I have a singular pink lady are those coming even? on on my tree, and I had two pairs that I was waiting for Uh-oh. and Something left, got them. Them. left them and then— went to Reno for the trade show and came back and had zero pairs. It's very, very sad. Very, very sad.
4: Yeah, I had to put that temporary barrier around the uh, Fuyu persimmon because it was starting to get attacked.
3: You know, every morning and every evening when I go down to open or close the chickens, I shine my spotlight on my persimmon tree thinking, is this the day the right. coyotes are going to be down there? And I, tomorrow I'm going to put up the fence around it. It's every day. It's manana. I'm going to put the yeah. fence around it. And I know I'm going to wait. The, the persimmons are looking late. really, really good. But they're just starting to color. And I, I'm sure one of these Saturdays will come on and tell you guys that I should have done it yesterday. <laughs> None
4: left. <laughs> I, we, I, oh, figs. Uh, are you getting figs or are you almost done? I've had
3: it? a few figs this week. I know um, we've talked
4: about them over the last couple weeks because of the, the fig fly. but um, There's
3: been a difference with the, I have not seen fig fly damage. I haven't seen falling fruit. I have not, still have not found any larvae inside the figs recently. Hmm. And what's happening? Yeah, I wonder do they, I don't think I, well, I know I don't know enough about the fig fly well, to, to understand it. Know. And are they in the soil now? Didn't I read somewhere that they pupate in the soil? So is now the time to, Put out beneficial nematodes right. to get rid of them for next year.
4: It's a good question.
3: Yeah, but we're here to give answers, not ask questions. But we also well, we also learn. The we learn
4: exactly. So you should try you should try nematodes, and I will try some of the NEMAX because NEMAX, the newer product that's cold pressed, is purported to kill nema, uh, to kill stuff in the soil in the
3: soil as well. Yeah. Okay. And I'll talk about doing that, and I won't actually do it, but we'll discuss it. <laughs> right. But that-
4: I, I I haven't have not had any evidence where I live of fig flies yet. So all my f- well, I mean, fortunately, and, and and that's not a yeah, knock, knock on wood. On, knock, knock on wood. There you go. Um, but I too, every time I I harvest a fig, I open it up and make sure nothing's moving inside <laughs> it, which I never did. In <laughs> never the past. did that never. before. Right.
3: And as we have mentioned once or twice before on the air, it the entirety of the insides of a fig looks, looks like... like something something should something be, moving. be moving. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So but you know who's eating
4: a lot of my, my figs and I watch them climb up is, are squirrels. Raton? The last the last three or four squirrels on the property. They seem to go well, right up the fig right. tree, grab stuff, and run away.
3: Yeah. I haven't seen many squirrels, although I did see one I over in the neighbor's the yard. last meal. Oh. Well. Maybe they'll... Yeah. I think mine's more rats than, than squirrels. Last night when I went down to lock up the chickens, there was a half of an avocado in the middle of the pathway. It was half eaten, and there was little debris around. And this morning when I went down, there was gone. nothing. The coyotes, <laughs> not even the coyotes. Not come even for any, that. D- any debris. It was all it was all gone and clear. Um,
4: well, you know, we just talked about what, what we've harvested. Have you been putting anything in for the fall and cool season planting?
3: No, but on a positive note, and it, you know, in, in addition to not having done that, I <laughs> have not purchased anything and taken it home and let it that's die right. waiting to go in the ground. So
4: that's a win,
0: actually. I for think you, it's that a, is a
3: huge win, win. right? I've, I've been debating. Um, I'm looking for places in in the winter, I don't get much sun in many areas of the yard, and so. I ordered yesterday sitting in Reno I placed the order for our short day onion starts okay. that'll be coming in about a month. They okay. they ship them the I think at the week of the 13th of November. But I need to find a place where I have sun to put them.
4: Well, you've had I thought you've had success in the in the past growing those.
3: Well, I cut them into an area up closer to the driveway where it gets a little more sun, but the I, I Couldn't control the gophers in that area last year. That's right, yeah. So I didn't get anything out of it. So
4: you know, I I I have been a big fan of my cool season winter garden over my summer garden just because it's so much easier to care for. (laughs) And I am, in fact, if nothing, I'm a lazy gardener. And the winter garden just is so much easier, and I get a great harvest with little work, and I enjoy that.
3: Less stress for your plants means less stress stress for for you,
4: exactly. And gardening is supposed to be relaxing.
3: Oh, really? Yeah, it's supposed to Where be did that. you read that? I,
4: I, I actually, excuse me, I actually believe that, and it works for me. I enjoy getting out there. Absolutely but true. Absolutely. It can be a little frustrating in oh, yeah. the summer months.
3: You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm wrestling with the word relaxing.
4: I find, so even if I'm out there wandering
3: moving. with a glass of wine, harvesting, and just fidget, you know, no, yeah. what's the just, just tinkering Looking around, around tinkering right yes right. that's relaxing but physically moving wheelbarrows full of mulch oh no, see, up I the hill I find or, that
4: I find that that's relaxing. it's therapeutic for me well, yes ther- and, and, and I find it relaxing I mean it's physical labor but from a mental perspective I find it very relaxing my mind wanders in the yard when I'm moving mulch or digging holes to plant it's for me it's relaxing
3: you know what mentally relaxing physically exerting i will accept okay, and, and now we'll that we've that defined path. our terms i'm okay it's
4: important words have meaning
3: yes words do have <laughs> meaning we were talking about harvesting when well we, we, the-
4: we were talking about being a lazy gardener and and winter being an easier season to grow because you know there's rain it's cooler you don't have to work as much right. in the garden but being a lazy gardener has its downfalls as well right well
3: yeah and you were talking about the therapeutics for the mind the relaxation of the mind
4: and it's obviously physically
3: it's good
2: for the body you're listening to garden talk here on kcbq and kprz we're going to take a quick break and
1: we'll be back with more right after this get your gardening questions answered by calling 888 344-1170 that's 888-344-1170 there is more garden talk on the way Welcome back to Garden Talk by Walter Anderson Nursery. Now, here's your hosts, Ken Anderson, David Ross, Mark Mahady, and George Allman.
2: And we're back with more Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. I no. did check last evening to see if my potatoes,
3: I did grow them. I planted them way late because I purchased them in October and November, November last year when the seed potatoes came, came in. And those are due sometime in the next 30 days, okay. probably the yeah. first or second week of November. But that's when I purchased them. I put them in a bag. I put them <laughs> in bags and I wrote the names of each variety. I only got one of each of three or four varieties. And I wrote the names on the bags and I set them on the washing machine when I came in the house and they sat on the washing machine until they had grown out about a foot until <laughs> until I think, they were
4: producing potatoes. I think it was
3: about June. When I finally put them in the ground, it may. Yeah, it wasn't May, so it had to be June. It might have been July,
4: Goodness. and they've
3: grown well. And I did see. I went and messed with my mound, and there were there's potatoes out there. So I will not have to buy seed potatoes. But I'm so glad that I took the time to individually bag them and write mm-hmm. down the names, so that I would and, you know know. So what and I then got. when you got
4: to the garden, you transcribed them to like a wooden stick or a metal plate, so that you know exactly.
3: I'm pretty sure I threw the bags in the recycling bin. Is that is that what you mean?
4: Yeah, so like me, my my the biggest lie I tell myself when I plant in my garden is I will remember what that is. I could put six different tomatoes in and and if they're similar like a like a San Diego and a Champion or something, I'll put them there and I go, "Was, oh, was I'll this, be able to tell was, the yeah, difference?" Is this the row that I did the I'm an expert. Yeah, I, I could do this. And and I and I do that with so much in the garden. I'll remember what this one is.
3: I've never yeah. thought about it in those terms the biggest lie I tell myself but that is absolutely correct and I still do it to this day. I do right. too.
4: No, I know our friend John Clements writes it down he puts a tag he writes it on the side of the tree if he's putting a new tree in to make sure that you know to make sure this is the tree that I'm putting in this spot. I don't I'm not I'm not that organized well,
3: I guess. John Clements we have always said here is bright.
4: True. <laughs> and Unlike the rest of the us. The rest
3: of us we have never said here are bright. Very is that true. correct? Yes. Okay, so it all I, makes perfect I, sense.
4: I came in one day and asked you to print out my purchases for the last year because I couldn't remember. I had two pluaries and I could not remember which two they were because the ta- I lost the tags. and And I was eating them and they were delicious, but I could not identify them. So I had to come in and 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 print the list out. Say, so, okay, that was that's a sweet treat, and this is this, and and it made well, a
3: big difference. But you're an advanced tool user. You are able to use that information and. You, and, and you, and you, you label, know what I did? You know did what you I label did. Them? You went out and
4: made a. I made a. I have a spreadsheet with all the plants, so I, I updated the spreadsheet. But if we were to walk out there today, and you said, "Which one is this?" I say, "I think <laughs> it's the sweet treat," because I haven't put the tags on the tree yet.
3: Remember, I finally found the metal tag on the. One of my two pomegranates, so I would know which was which, but I don't remember which was which. Do you know?
4: (laughs) No. The one with the metal
3: tag is the one by the house, but what is
4: it? So back to being a lazy gardener with memory issues and the biggest lie we tell ourselves is that I'll remember that.
3: That's crazy. I do that every year, especially with tomatoes. Every year I know what's going to be what. And some
4: of the peppers as well. But, you know, there are lots of of really dedicated, and, and I applaud them. I just don't have that in me, the folks that do gardening journals where they, they put down that they, they right. put their broccoli in. It was October 3rd, and it was a, it was 80 degrees, or it was a cool and evening. And it was a full moon. Right, right. And, and, they'll, and they'll write that all in, and then next year they'll go, you know, last year I planted these at this date. Uh, I'm going to try a week later, and they can go through, and they can look back historically as to how they planted. I'm not that person. Right.
3: Well, that goes along with the same lie. I tell myself every year that I'm going to put a, a calendar in the garage and write those things down on the days that I do them. And, uh, I have the walk, calendars. Walk, walk right by it. Yeah. Never done it. Never, ever have done it. It surprises me that you don't, George. You're I, kind of an organized. I, I am
4: organized, but not with that. My, my best friend went to Cornell. He has a degree in agriculture. And he. I grew up grafting apple trees with him. And when I'm grafting here, I've had successes and I've had some failures. And one day I was chatting with him. And we got in this whole discussion about when – when you graft, is it you know? Is it January? Is it February third? Is it hot out? It, it all the all the variables. And he said, you know, I was taught that to, uh, when I do it, I should always write it down and then look at it the next year and go, this didn't work. Right. And I can grow from that. I can go a week earlier. I can go a week later. It was too hot. It was too cold. Whatever. All those variables. He goes, you know what? I don't do. I don't write it down. And I go out there and go. I think this is the time I did it last year. And 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 I'm the same way. Oh, I, that's I try good. It. Yeah. And he's a smart person. He's a very smart person. Yes.
3: Well, that's yeah. good. Yeah. So I. I- Identify with, I smart identify, I identify as, as a smart, a smart person. person. Exactly. Not
4: necessarily am one. Well, that's
3: good. That's a very very good thing. Um, <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me. I guess misery loves company. Maybe stupidity, that's why I, that, stupidity <laughs> hangs out together. What, they hang what's out the, together. What's there's, the there's There should
4: be an axiom for that. We have to
3: figure it out. Speaking of misery, populated, beautiful, and where the movie Misery was filmed. Anyway, and wow. Misery Loves Company is what brought me Okay, to that's
0: that I wonder where
4: the that's, circle that's, okay so we connected the dots okay. Yes.
3: A <laughs> uh, mind is a terrible thing, I think we all know that. Um, oh lord. Lazy gardeners, do lazy gardeners uh, grow pumpkins in Minnesota?
4: They do actually. And the funny, you know, we, we had a class back in May to for about uh, growing giant pumpkins at our Poway store. You're and not
3: going to equate our pumpkin with oh, this Oh, no, one, not at you? all. Okay. But,
4: but the the folks that, that were growing them in the competitions here in Southern California that, that taught the class for us, they had some in the 2000 range. They gave us a bunch of seeds for some 1,700-pound uh, seeds, uh, plants, that they or pumpkins, rather, that, that they had grown. But the world record was just broken, and the pumpkin was from Minnesota. And it was a record-breaking 2,749 pounds, almost 3,000-pound pumpkin. It's huge, wild. That and they trucked it to Half Moon Bay, where the competition was held.
3: According to math, that's more than a ton. Correct? That is
4: more than a ton, almost a ton and a half. Yes, almost. I don't think that math is changed so, yet. How do you
3: pick it up and move it? Did you did they grow it on a pallet or what? I, you know
4: I don't I, have, I don't know the particulars. I know that the guys that that taught our class say that once it gets to a certain size, they put it on a pallet so okay. that they're able to forklift it out or or pallet jack it out for some of them because they grow it in, in you know side yards. None of these guys that were growing these records in San Diego were you know professional farmers. They were bankers and lawyers and stuff. They just do as a hobby they do it, and so they do it on their side yard.
3: Bankers and lawyers and, and such. such. Ooh,
4: well, great song. Um, interestingly, the, the gentleman that, that grew this world record, the 2,749 pound, is a horticultural teacher.
3: Well, oh, so he practices. So
4: he practices what he preaches Not or preaches and practices.
3: Um, I think I've seen pictures of that. It, it's kind of flattened. it looks like gravity has taken its toll on it, itself. It looks a lot right.
4: flatter than most pumpkins, right? And as I understand it from the, the gents that did the, the Southern California record holders – they're not good eating. They're no, grown particularly it's... for the size and they keep you know breeding them, breeding them for larger pumpkins and there's there's no real flavor. It's just basically m- water.
3: I heard somebody on the news that was talking about this saying, oh, you could make a lot of pies out of that. Yeah, but they're not going to be tasty. Right? There's not going to be anything you want to eat. Um, from looking at that picture, it kind of was picturing a person with a large beer belly <laughs> sitting on a sofa <laughs> – would that be approximately the you know, way that's, that kind of looks?
4: Now that you said that, and it's a disturbing disturbing visual, but yes. That's yeah. what
3: the world's largest pumpkin looks like. Okay. If, if for those of you who haven't seen it, you can envision – well, anyway. Don't, yeah.
4: don't, don't envision that. Yeah, look, don't. look for the picture of the pumpkin instead. I was going to say you could <laughs>
0: probably find it right on the internet uh, somewhere.
4: Anyway, it, it's fascinating. And and these the folks that do this, they do it with – those are the guys that use journals. You know, going back to that, right. when they were teaching the class, they talked on the fifth day after pollination, you do this. And on, on the seventh or eighth day, we start feeding with boron. And don't quote me on this, but, you know, we do boron and magnesium. And on the twelfth day, and so they, you know, they, they take yes. all, you know, we do this. We increase water by X amount on this day. We back off on this. We start
3: we way too to, much
4: detail for me. Right,
3: But if you want to grow a world, if of If yeah, so yes. you want to be successful, yes. If you want to be excessive. So... Just uh, how many of the world record pumpkins over the years have come from Southern California?
4: Th- I don't know that.
3: I don't think it's very many. No, no, we the guy. And the, you know, the, the
4: record holders that we've had, the guys that have done the Southern California record holders, are only in the two thousand range.
3: Yeah, so. because we well, have more intense, drier sun and less
4: water. They use right. she- they use um, shade cloth for the guys here. They at build Southern a structure California. for it. They, 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 they put shade cloth up. Yes, yeah.
3: I don't. That doesn't sound like it'd be good. Something good for a lazy gardener. Although no. you can tell the lazy gardener pumpkin growing habits. You got eighty pounds.
4: We had fifty fifty seven pounds. I think it was the one that we did, and all we did was plant it in a pot of quality soil and fed it once, and, and we watered got it and, and, and watered it daily. Yeah, we had a fifty seven pounder. So, okay, well, that's still I pretty good. It is,
3: it is pretty good. I had
4: a 40-pound p- uh, watermelon with doing nothing, so, I mean. Well, you watered it. I watered it, When, yeah.
0: when did you guys plant that, though?
4: Uh, we planted that on May. the exact date, May May 7th. It's funny, because we get people coming to the nursery that want to buy
0: pumpkins now. I mean, because. Yes. Like, yeah, but you have to think way ahead if you're going to grow pumpkins.
2: You're listening to Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more right after this.
1: Get your gardening questions answered by calling 888-344-1170. That's 888-344-1170. There is more Garden Talk on the way. Welcome back to Garden Talk by Walter Anderson Nursery. Now, here's your hosts, Ken Anderson, David Ross, Mark Mahady, and George Allman. I do have
3: some volunteer gourds from the, from the unseasonable... From our, our tropical storm rain, oh, okay. that have volunteered, and and it's weird they volunteered right where the gourds were left years ago to just kind of dissipate in the soil, and now all of a sudden I have some birdhouse gourds coming up. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Do you remember when we used to go up to the to the gourd grower yes. Wilburn, yeah. Wilburn Gourd Farms up in rain, um, yeah. Fallbrook, North it's Fallbrook, in yeah. the what is that valley called? I don't know. Just just beyond Fallbrook, the Santa Maria uh no, Rainbow
4: Valley or
3: no, no, it's on the other side of the freeway. But anyway, Wilburn, we used to get some gourds from them and I was got excited for it. I I grew yes. loofah that one year. Oh no. Oh what? It might be loofah. And I don't care about loofah. There were some loofah seeds over there too, but that's where the some birdhouse gourds had volunteered. I hope they're birdhouse gourds and not loofah. Both of them grow very easily here is the point of that. Stop looking at me like that. Well,
4: I'm just thinking you know, you, you, you can use those in the shower and exfoliate your, whatever you do to your skin there. Exfoliate I know, yeah, to keep my hands soft yeah, and I supple. I know that you're a soft and supple kind yes, of guy. Yes, <laughs> so. thank you.
3: Sorry about the visual, everybody. Um, <laughs> we are we made some final arrangements yesterday, and we are expecting the sea squills in. How's, oh, that, how's wow. that for a segue from... Gourds and Luffa. Well, I, I haven't thought about them in a couple of years. Yeah, we didn't get them last year or the year before, but we are, I, I don't remember why. Somebody, oh, uh, the bulb, the bulb salesman came in and he was asking about bulbs that we need to see. And Virginia came up and he had no idea what Virginia was. And that reminded me. So I looked up Peter McCroen's name and I called him in, I think he's in New Hampshire or he's somewhere on the East Coast Growing cut flowers for farmers markets and having a great time. He left here a while ago, but he still has access to Urginias.
4: So, what are Urgenias?
3: They're sea squills.
4: Aren't those called something else nowadays? Don't I think they changed the name? I
3: I know they changed the name. Well, I know it now because you pointed it out to me yesterday. (laughs) I don't like when they do that. You go through. How long have you been George?
4: A couple. Six decades or so.
3: So, if should Plus. we reclassify you now as you know Frank?
4: I don't well, like that name either. But if we find a, a suitable name, I will accept it. So.
3: <laughs> okay, Mark. How long have you been Mark? Uh, Sixty years or so. And you've been a Mahadi your whole life. Oh yeah. Would you like to be reclassified now? No, thank you. I mean, I'm sure many of your family would like of to reclassify course. you. Yes, but that's, that's a different. True. That's another topic that's for a different another day. Story. The, <laughs> the the the. Dimea, what's what what is it now? And now so, it's
4: called Drymia.
3: Drimia. Do you Drimia. think the Drymea family looked over at the Urginia and said, Come on in. You know, Come on you're in, my man. buddy. Come on over here.
4: Well, you know, we did it with rosemary. They said, you know, that flower looks very salvia. I didn't like, like it when they did that. Rosemary's so now rosemary yeah. is a salvia. Well, yeah, they, yeah so. it's just not right.
3: It is not right. So Urginia maritima, the sea Drim- squill, is Drimia. now Drymea. Drymea. Drymea river. <laughs>
4: So what is this plant that we're it about? It is a
3: sea squill. Right. It is a, an enormous Mediterranean bulb that follows the naked lady foliage and it dies down in the summer and then puts up a four to six foot tall flower spike that's blooming now.
4: Which are used in cut flower trade.
3: In, it's a it's a really neat plant. It will naturalize here in Southern California. It's really Easy to grow. You just plant it and forget it. It's just like don't a, put
4: it anywhere where there's a lot of uh, winter water. You don't yes. want to, yeah, so Yes. If you have a low spot, don't put it there.
3: But it'll naturalize in most areas of
4: now, of our
0: think, county. I mean, I know the flower spike gets big, but I don't think it's all that attractive personally. Well,
3: hundreds of little onion flowers is what it reminds me. Exactly. of. Exactly. Yeah. That's a
0: great great yeah, analogy. Yep.
4: Yeah. And they're they're incredibly easy, as you said. I. I I have a bunch of them growing in pots just because I have yet to determine where I want to put them in the yard. And I turned one out because I was going to separate it. It had so many bulbs, pups, you know, off of it. And I left it under a citrus and it, they were upside down, and it still came out the side and came up and, and flowered and put out the leaves while it was not even in the ground. It was just lying <laughs> yeah, there as bulbs.
3: So. I think it's a, a neat plant. It yeah. is the. Well, it's it's not plant. the most exciting flower in the world. Yeah. Right. It's not like. But a, you know,
4: in mass, if there are several of them coming up at the same time, yes. I think it's it's quite attractive. Uh, good but point. good
3: to, point. To Mark's point. It's not a flower spike of amaryllis flowers. Right. Right. They're small, but they're gorgeous, and they last for weeks.
4: And they make a good cut flower. If you put them in with other other plants, it's a great addition to a a bouquet of some sort. And they take
3: care of themselves. That's it. Uh, Very
4: low water. Yeah, it's kind of a deserty bulb. They don't need. No.
3: Yeah, they'll naturalize here. Yep. And I first saw them, (laughs) I was on a... A trip many many moons ago. I was at the nur- I was working at the nursery at the time, but I was got to go to Tunisia. And as we came out of the desert and headed up to the northwest, um, we were headed to an old Phoenician site. And mm-hmm. on the side of the road, these five or six foot spikes of flowers were sticking out of right. the ground, and that's what caught my eye. Gotcha. And we go to this four thousand year old Phoenician site, and people are out looking at the ruins, and I'm trying to find the, the these bulbs are growing around this, this site and the bulb was enormous. It was about the size of a volleyball. And so I'm over there trying Take to get one out of the ground, <laughs> trying to figure out how I'm going to get it home. Um, I did get it out of the ground, but it left the roots behind. I ripped the bulb off of the roots and that you ended my, you have
0: gone to jail for that.
3: Yeah, probably. Okay. Probably. Um, and, and then i i started looking for it because it was a it's a spectacular bulb and none of the bulb growers have it because it's such a big heavy bulb it's going to yeah. cost it a, too much to mm-hmm. ship and yeah and then it turns out that there was a an experimental farm up in Temecula
0: and you said doesn't it isn't it like a rat poison yeah. or something yeah they
3: use it 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 is a natural emetic for us
0: yeah we um, won't it's it's it has a
4: horrible taste but apparently rats like it
3: and they can't vomit it up, okay. So it will take care of rats.
4: Okay. When I was reading about it, when I first got ours, uh, it they talk about they they dry the bulbs up, they cut them into little chips, and then they mix it with some some kind of attractant that the rats are going to eat. You know, I don't sugar, right. peanut butter, crackers. I don't know some something in it that they're going to be attracted to. They eat it, and as David said, they just succumb to it and die. And it's, so it's supposed to work quite well. Yeah, I
3: interesting. Have only read about it being poisonous and being a rat poison, and when you look into it further, I guess it is toxic. But it's—I'm not suggesting anybody go eat it. But <laughs> right. it's mildly toxic, right? It's going to uh, give right. us it nausea. Has been and, used, it
4: has been used in medicine throughout the years, but you know, but I wouldn't. No, and I'm not inward. suggesting
3: right. it. No, I just remember that
0: when we talked about it years yeah. and years ago.
3: But doesn't it just say causes nausea and vomiting right. and, you know, all the fun fun <laughs> symptoms that everybody well, likes? Well, you
0: know, you can could, you could watch a
4: television show and there will be an advertisement for a particular medicine that has the same symptoms. Yes, but, you that's, know? that's right. <laughs> Please call your doctor if you've experienced these.
3: I think you've had Drymus. No, dry, Drymia. <laughs> drymia. Drymus <Drimia. laughs> winteri is a different yeah, plant.
0: That's what I was thinking of. Drymia.
3: Drymia. Drymia. I'm not going to say I it, remember yeah.
4: that with Drymea River. That was pretty oh. clever, actually. So. Wow! I will stick with that. Thank
3: you, thank you very, very much. Um, I guess we're done with the uh, <laughs> the C-squill. reclass the reclassification of the
4: c squill. So I totally agree with
3: it. With the drymia, with you changing the genus for me, oh, that's not a good way to go. You were I, talking about our go-to when when I am searching for plants, when I'm looking for some information on plants. We have so many choices, and I'm always looking for San Marcos growers' website. Yeah,
4: I do San Marcos or I do Monrovia. Both of their websites have a lot of useful information.
3: And I prefer San Marcos because it's more –
4: There's a lot of detail.
3: And it's more climate-related. Monrovia sells nationwide, and so some of their information is more general than what you would get in San Marcos growers who is a – Grower up in the Santa Barbara area, right? And I guess it's San Marcos Canyon in Santa Barbara. Since we're in San Diego County, where San Marcos is not too far, it is because it's not our San Marcos; it's their San Marcos. <laughs> does that make sense? <laughs> it yeah, does to me. But you—that's where I go because their information I always count on, and it's based usually on their experiences, and they put that in each of their.
4: In the narrative, in their narrative right. that
3: it's based on their experiences. If you're having different experiences, let us know because right. we might want to incorporate it. But you had some disturbing news from there. Yeah, you know, Mr. yesterday positivity. when you and I, yeah,
4: I am very positive. But when yesterday when you and I were looking at the the sea squill, the drymea, I had the page open and I was looking at it, and you were reading it. But you looked over my shoulder and said to me, "Look at the top left." And I and I looked at the top left, and there was a, a little blurb on the left that said, "Nursery closing." In 2026, January 1st, 2026.
3: That's just two years and a quarter away. Yeah.
4: So I, I d- dug in further on their website and, and they're closing the nursery. They're tr- going to try to keep that web page going as best they can, which I hope they do because it's a tremendous resource. Um, but they're closing the nursery. They're closing to developers basically to give, well, I, to give up the land. Yes. And I think Ken Anderson once said that if you're in the, if you were in the nursery business, you are really in the real estate business.
3: Do you know who told him that? Because uh, Ken, Ken, Ken just purloined those words. Who, who said that? Uh, Paul Ecke Oh, that's third. right.
4: Yeah, from the Point Point City of world. Yes. Right.
3: That you're really in the, and Ken was sharing that with somebody up at the trade show. I don't remember who, but I remember him and, saying And that.
4: it's true. I mean, if you're growing, and and, and San Marcos growers, they're, they're wholesalers. So they've got a big production facility up there and, you know, they're, being bought out, I guess, for the land.
3: And it's I was that, trying not to go <clears throat> negative. Yeah. Well, but you're Well the, the positive
4: drummer. side of it is that it's a tremendous resource, and they are trying to they, they plan on keeping that website alive and going. Which: You know it's would funny. I w- as you were
3: reading that part to me, or I was reading it for myself, I was thinking, it's very easy right now, while you are a going and growing concern, to take your resources and maintain a website. As soon as the nursery is no longer, right. you're yeah. probably going to be looking for other ways to use your resources. Correct. And I'm guessing that even though they are hoping to keep the...
4: I thought the same thing. That, you know, that
3: it may go by the wayside.
4: Right. Unless someone purchases it in some way or offers to maintain it.
3: You know, on the reclassifying plants, the, there was a customer in yesterday that had citrus leaf miner. And he said he was using the Captain Jack's 8. And hmm. well, we have Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew, and we have Bonide Eight. But Bonide was rebranding all of their products as Captain Jack's, just so where Ken would pull the herbicide bottle <laughs> off the <laughs> shelf and spray his roses instead of the insecticide or fungicide, uh, it, it creates confusion because Bonide Eight is a synthetic pyrethrin, and it does a great job of controlling lots of insects on contact. It's really good with those little stinging ants and stuff. Um,
4: it is also, 8 is also a product that is safe for fruits and vegetables. It's it's uh, uh, labeled for use on fruits and vegetables.
3: But if the company that sells 8 changes the name from Bonite 8 to Captain Jack's 8, yeah. then everybody gets confused because totally. up to now, Captain Jack's has just been the spinosad, the dead bug brew. And Nothing else. But this customer got confused because of right. because of that. He goes, Oh no, right. it's this eight right here. Well, that one isn't gonna get into the leaf for the citrus leaf miner, which still is quite prevalent. Have you done any more controlling of yours?
4: No, I, I was I I think we talked about how I did it in the beginning of the summer and I was very happy with the results, but it was probably more a factor of the cooler wet weather Weather, than me doing anything. And then it got out of control and it was too late to really start spraying.
3: When I've sprayed twice this year and it immediately stopped it. When I finally actually got together and mixed it up and put it on the plants, lo and behold, it works. And it immediately arrested the citrus leaf miner. But I don't think that waiting uh, four weeks – as indicated on the label, which I did. I right. waited longer than four weeks. I waited closer to six weeks, I think. But I don't think you, you do get it. adequate control that way. Did you happen to notice that? I, I
4: did it probably about three to four weeks apart, and I thought it was working well again, and then I stopped. And I have really bad citrus leaf. Yeah, it's, this year. It's,
3: it was especially, especially
1: bad this year.
2: You've been listening to Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. We'll be back next week with another hour of Garden Talk. Have a great weekend, everybody.
1: Thanks for joining us on Garden Talk by Walter Anderson Nursery, your source for gardening, landscaping, and horticulture news. Still have a question for the Garden Talk crew or want to learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor? Send an email to askanexpert at walteranderson.com. That's askanexpert at walteranderson.com or visit walteranderson.com. There's more professional gardening advice next week at this same time on Garden Talk by Walter Anderson Nursery.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.